but it is what someone that had a tail would say in a song. It's not the most like popular music thing, but I got really into the soundtrack from Severance. You watch Severance? I saw the trailer for it. That's that Apple TV one, right? Yeah, it's really creepy and dramatic, and the the music is just like really, really good, like very um, unsettling. Hmm. Uh, we're so, talking like, about uh, TV shows. Uh, I just finished watching 30 Coins. Really good. I don't know. It, it's, um, it's like an HBO Max show. It's uh, uh, in, from like uh, these like Spanish producers. And the idea behind it is they're trying to like, like kind of like religious items have like actual powers in the real world. And so there's this kind of like anti-religious or like really religious cult trying to collect all of the 30 coins from judas and it kind of like every evil person in history had a couple of the coins and so this uh, like kind of cult is trying to like gather all 30 of them yeah that sounds cool um who does the music in severance like is it someone famous i you looked know. them up no, um, I, I did not know his name before I looked him up. Um, he did do a few movies I'm aware of. His name is Theodore Shapiro. Mm. And he also did, like, pretty art. Oh, he, he did Bombshell, the Fox News anchors, the blonde women. Mm. You, you see that? Um, I remember. He did Marley and Me. Yeah, Captain <laughs> Underpants. <laughs> he did that. It's a very weird. <laughs> Yeah. No, he's Sometimes like, Apple just like gets a big name just because they can, right? So, interesting. Fun with Dick and Jane. But like most of those are like not going to be soundtracks that anyone remembers. Those are, they're not like artistic soundtracks, right? They're like functional. It's probably like string. Like what is the soundtrack to Marley and Me? Like I'm sure it's not memorable. But this sure but this, it makes you cry though. Yeah. But from Severance, it's like really good. It has a really distinct style. It's strange, but still very listenable. Hmm. That's good. You want to give us our intro, Josie, or do oh, we yeah. want to do our shot first? Yeah, I got uh, totally inappropriate to do a shot of. I have Glenn Levid Nadura, uh, which is a cask strength scotch. Peated whiskey aged in peated barrels. Some old guy's rolling in his grave right now that you're going to do a shot of that. Yeah, I think this is, this is like. <laughs> so I brought, I had to take Ari to like a, a thing today and we were early. So I took Ari to the liquor store before. I didn't know if I could bring a kid into the liquor store. So I had to go to the front desk and ask first. And they were like, well, is he your kid? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, then you can bring him in. <laughs> I was like, okay. I love that they're being a dick to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm just trying to be polite, guys. But then uh, Ari helped me pick out this bottle of scotch, and it was over $100, but I indulged because you like the box. All right, give him the box to play with. We, this is our last shot of Fireball from the bottle. It is. So, this is our first. Was this a wedding bottle? 
No, I no. think we we bought it for someone else's wedding that oh. they were gonna only have you only got like two drink tickets or something. Oh yeah, we went to a wedding with drink tickets and then you had to pay. So I'm like, I know I bought a flask and Fireball. Yeah, I would argue if you got to do the drink, I, I get you might have to keep the cost down. You might not be able to afford thousands of dollars for a wedding. But in that case, just do it in the park and get some bottles. They were. It was more of like a Christian thing. Oh. Okay. You know, it wasn't like they didn't have the money. It was like. You don't want anybody to get too crazy. And then everyone ended up because there was lots of religious people or in parent, like everyone, it was kind of like, I don't know, whenever you go to an event and then people saw we were the drunk ones. So everyone gave us their tickets. So it ended yeah. up not mattering. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it didn't matter. They're like, oh, do you want our extras? I'm like, thank you. Okay, shot. Cheers. Compay. Nostrovia. When we do the um, shot words in different languages, does that are we just being racist? Because I did a Japanese accent. Oh, I don't know. I did my. That's what we say on Dingus Day, not Strobia. Oh, okay, okay. So oh, Dingus Day. Yeah, you guys had Dingus Day. That's right. We had Dingus Day yesterday. Was well, that's why I was in your apartment. <laughs> yeah. yeah really Wait, weird. what? What? <laughs> this is where you tell the story. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Why were you in my old apartment? I don't know. Someone who lives there now um, was having a, a literal house party. You had two kegs in there. And you would just walk. And, you know, it's right in between two bars, Parkview and uh, Police the bar. cop bar. Yeah. So as you're walking by, they're like, come on in. And I'm like, I love this. You had a cute dog. Um, I got some free Bud Light. And... It was one. They had a DJ set up. It was very strange. That was a great apartment, though. That that was my favorite place I've ever lived, including the wonderful house I owned. Like, like I really, I miss that apartment often. Did you yeah. pump up our podcast to this uh, house party? Maybe get them to play it on the DJ? <laughs> yeah. No, not yet. I can always go back, though, because now I know who lives there. I know his name. Follow on Instagram. Yeah. is a, a local Cleveland celebrity. So, did you get a photo with the dog at least? I did not pay five dollars for a photo with his dog. <laughs> Cute dog though. Cute dog. What a scheme! I know. It's weird. Free food, free beer. But if you want a picture with the dog, if you want a dog selfie, five bucks. Wow, cold. Well, they Ice had cold. a. They they did. Uh, so the food, the food wasn't free, but they literally ordered a. They had a food truck come out. So there's a food truck parked right up front. And then I think the one guy who like helped throw the party, he literally gave uh, our friend John twenty dollars, and he's like, "Hey, go go buy some food out there, okay?" <laughs> We're like, "Okay." He's like, "I just want to make sure they get their money's worth." Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, "People will come, man. It's cool. <laughs> Don't worry. It's still early. It was snowing though yesterday here. So, oh, that's weird. It's yeah. like it's like seventy degrees here, so that's hard for me to. It wrap was my head snowing. Around. It's never happened on Dingus Day. Hmm. First time for everything. <laughs> Welcome to Meet at the Mantis, the podcast where old friends discuss new music. Where your gracious host discuss in depth three artists who will be performing at the Life is Beautiful Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada. Today we'll be discussing the incredible gorillas, the um, perplexing, complexing, and vexing <laughs> Pussy Riot. And uh, whatever the hell's going on with that other chick that, that uh, 
I, 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 in my head, I've been calling her, um, who sang Skater Boy? Avril Lavigne? New, new Avril Lavigne, but her actual name is Claire, Claire Rosencrantz. Rosencrantz, Rosencrantz, who knows how you say it. She says Rosencrantz. I watched her uh, mm. Instagram. Uh, yeah. These are all pretty good ones. Pretty good ones to talk about, I think. I'm very partial to the gorillas. Should we start there? For sure. It sounds like you want the, to I go do. at it. Go for it. I'd like to go at this one, yeah. <laughs> so the gorillas, super brief backstory, are the lead singer from Blur, uh, Damien something, something with an A. Damien Albarn. Albarn, yeah, Damien Albarn. Uh, and the guy who drew Tank Girl. And I was not into Tank Girl. Mark is a little older than me. I'm wondering if Mark was into Tank Girl. I was too young for Tank Girl. I was never aware of Tank Girl. Okay. I was, I was like aware of it, but it, it was not interesting to me. It just looked shocking to me or perverse. I think my cousins or somebody was into it. Um, I definitely saw Tank Girl when I was young, but I wasn't like, it didn't catch my attention. It creep, I think it creeped me out more than anything. Um... The, the so they were friends in London they met and didn't really like each other but then they both got divorced at the same time and they like became drinking buddies in London and they threw these parties at their house their apartment flat their flat probably um, where a lot of music celebrities would want to show up to these parties because they were getting popular so like David Bowie famously went through went to great lengths to get invited to the guy from Blur and the Tank Girl guy's house for a party. And this is long before they conceived anything. One day they were sitting around watching MTV or whatever, and they were like, the, the birth of the gorillas is very cynical. And it, does, it doesn't quite come through in the music today, I don't think, but they were like, man, everything on MTV is bullshit. This is like a cartoon of humans. And they were like, what if there was a band that just was cartoons? But like, they meant it in a cynical way. They meant it in a, neg in a negative way. Uh, but they did it, and it super exploded effectively. And what happened is the musical aspect of it got really, really big. So there's, there's some festival they were on where on stage was like, one of the crazy awesome horn bands at Revolution Brass Band or something and like yeah, like 10 or 12 other guest artists who are all incredible and and the art that art side of it because they used to play in front of a giant screen where you couldn't even see the band it was just the cartoon playing and they like slow basically that screen just got smaller and smaller and smaller until the artist whose name I should have pulled up uh, was like, uh, fuck this. And then the, and then they weren't friends anymore. They didn't talk for three years or something like that. And I don't think he's really involved today. I think it's really just a musical act and they just recycle the art from the Tank Girl guy. But it's really good. They have two albums, the, the one with Feel Good Ink on it and the one with Clint Eastwood on it. I was really into both of those as a kid. Or t I guess I was a teenager. Um, and I was never in the Plastic Beach, but I listened to that in its entirety recently. And I, I had, it's in, right in the title, but I didn't really get this. It's an environmental album. It's about the environment. And it's also really, really good, even though I wasn't hip to that one when I was younger. Yeah, I liked Plastic Beach when I did my listen through of the albums as yeah. well. 
it's pretty oh. it, it's all pretty special like all, the gorillas to me are, are it's very unique and it's very effective like every every piece of music in it like it hits really hard it's really it's really really well done and very unpredictable all right should we get into uh how, how can you not start with this intro because it's like one of the best it's super simple but this is one of the best intros ever It's fucking amazing. It's just, it's just quarter notes, but it's perfect. Yeah, so yeah. Wikipedia put their genre as like, it was either like art pop or art rock. And I'm like, that's actually perfect. Like I was trying to like think of what to like describe them as. I just feel like they're always, like they have this interesting thing of their albums where like kind of like the Gorillaz Demon Days album is kind of like their band. But like their later albums are almost like, you know, like almost like they're just like producing and adding things to it. Where like I believe like their latest album, there's like another singer on like every single track, including like Robert Smith, Beck, yeah. Schoolboy Q, yeah. like big names. I was sometimes I gotta listen for stuff to try to get my kids into that that I like also, and I tried to get them into that brand new, not brand new, it was it 2020? I think uh, Gorillaz album, and they weren't into it because that Robert Smith song is cool, but it's it's weird. It hits in a really weird way. Yeah, for that one for me, and I don't know if this is just Robert Smith's like voice is so like powerful and like nostalgic, but I almost felt like the songs they did them in the style of the person singing them. Yeah. So it's, like every track felt like different and it's like going back to, you know, like their original or whatever. It, it wasn't like that. Everything was in the gorilla style. But on this yeah. one, but like that's what like makes it so amazing. And um, I was talking about this with Alyssa a little bit. Like I'm very curious what their live show will be like, because not only do they have all this music, but they have stuff that's like kind of like their own, but then stuff that's kind of like all these other artists are almost like more yeah. prominent in them. And um, we saw Thievery Corporation last year, I believe, and they have kind of like a similar thing, but like Thievery Corporation had like five or six just tour singers and they would just bring out a different singer for like each song yeah. and um i started to look i didn't do a good job of this but i was kind of looking for like overlaps the own of like artists they've done a song with the only one i saw was jpeg mafia mm -hmm. will be at the festival i'm not sure if like anyone else will but um yeah, I guess like the, going back, like uh, when I first looked or when the lineup first got dropped, like Gorillaz was like the main one of the main reasons. Like I've always wanted to see them live and I've yeah. always wanted to like have that experience. And like I, there are other bands I love, like Arctic Monkeys and things like that. But like the Gorillaz are like probably the band I'm most looking forward to see. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get either. I, I definitely they definitely have done tours where they just bring all the guests with them. I, I saw that clearly, but I also saw things where they're just playing the guest vocalist on the backing track. Yeah, and I think yeah, I don't know if they're in any other festivals. I don't think I've seen them like doing anything else. So maybe we will get like a bunch of people like visiting Vegas for it. I, I will freak out if De La Soul or 
Dell, the funky homo sapien, is with them. Uh, uh, that'll be a rush to the front situation. <laughs> I'm assuming that Dell, the funky homo sapien, is just going to be there. He was at, so if you guys watched uh, the tweet I sent you, so during Billie Eilish's set at Coachella this weekend, she brought out Damon Albarn. They did a nice little duet to um, her song, Getting Older, I think is what it's called. It was actually... Um, they sounded very nice together, and then they did Feel Good Ink, and Del the Funky Homo Sapien came out with them. Oh, they and did so, Feel Good Ink. That's, yeah. De La, that's De La Soul. Oh, no. Then they did... They did Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, so it was funny that we were covering Gorillas this week, and then they happened to... They yeah. happened to be on the stage with... Uh, <laughs> With Billie Eilish, um, the thing that I that I like the most, and I think I could, I think I will. I just didn't have enough time to dig in deep into this. Is like they have a whole storyline with their with the band, right? So the band, the virtual band, has four members. Tootie, um, who I think is technically like Damon Albarn's voice, he's like the main vocalist or whatever. Um, Murdoch Nichols, who plays the bass guitar, Russell Hobbs, who plays the drums, and my favorite, Noodle, who plays guitar, and Silly Girl. And her name's Noodle, which is the best name ever. So cute. <laughs> um, well, but referencing the, uh, maybe there's, there's enough years between these two bands, but the guitar player from The Offspring is also called Noodle. Noodles. Hmm. Oh, maybe that's Noodles, plural. I don't think he took it from the offspring. Could be wrong though. Yeah. <laughs> or whoever, whoever he collaborated on to create this virtual band. But um, I was sort of. Uh, I also looked up like, are they the only virtual band? Like, what's a virtual band? Are these big elsewhere? Um, the original virtual band, or the earliest one that came up, Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> ah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Right, like Alvin well, and the they, Chipmunks, they Josie albums, and the Pussycats. Right? Yeah. The Muppets are considered a virtual band, right? Um, so maybe, like, they're definitely the biggest, what I'd call, a real virtual band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Although, I don't know. Some of that Muppet shit is deep, though, man. <laughs> you know, um, Rain- Rainbow Connection? Holy shit. Rainbow Connection stands up to Clint Eastwood, no problem. People cover Rainbow Connection all the time. Um, but the Gorillas are cited in the Guinness World Records as the most successful virtual band. So yeah. however they define that probably by the awards that they've received or something like that. Um, I, I really but I just love quit. that there's a whole like storyline and world with them that you could definitely just well, they, dive they into, even, right? They even have conflicts and arguments and stuff. I think, what's the bass player called? Nichols? Mm-hmm. I think he gets in, he's he's like on the outs like he has some like fight with the band and the release he releases a he, oh he released a press release I think <laughs> <laughs> like dissing the band or something like that. Uh, See, I'm gonna dig funky. very deep into that because I love that <laughs> yeah, shit. I, I'm getting slightly wrong, but it's something like that. Uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien talks about how I think his story arc he was like trapped in the drum. And so, like, his first lyric in on, I think, Clint Eastwood is, like, finally someone let me out of my cage. But it was because he was, like, trapped in the drum set. Yeah. And so he was coming out and then, like, and I, just going. And I, and I loved that song, but I never knew that until I saw that interview, which, which I'll, I guess we should talk about more thoroughly. But there's one line in the rap that I never got, which is, like, I'm good at, when he says, I'm good at repairs. I was always like, what the fuck does that have to do with it? 
But if he's the ghost that's living in the drum set, he's referencing being good at repairing the drums, I think. But that line always perplexed me until I knew that. Um, I do really quick want to talk about like the cultural significance of Clint Eastwood. Um, I was in college when it came out and like when it kind of like it hit it was funny enough. I think everyone was watching it on like MTV, but um, it everybody was talking about it. Like if it was like playing and you hadn't seen it, people would like bring you into the room to like watch the so music video of it with the music and it was it was amazing because it was like this new style it had like this rap plus kind of like rock act to it but like literally everyone liked this song and was talking about it yeah i dealt with funky homo sapien is amazing i got into him later and still didn't never connected the voice never realized that was him until i mean pretty pretty i don't know pretty recently but i'm old so i don't know in the last 10 years i figured that out um he that story with him though because he he like he he liked tank girl and he didn't really give a fuck about blur or that dude or the gorillas and it, the way he tells the story del the funky homo sapien is just such a what is the word like surly just such a such a prickly human being <laughs> that like it's hard to tell like Maybe that's just how he always talks about everything. But he sounds annoyed at the whole thing. He's like, you know, I, I like Tank Girl a lot, man. Oh, they sent me the record. It had other rappers on it. Them, them rappers sucked. So, so they took them off, and I, I put better raps on it. And I was really just hoping I'd meet the Tank Girl guy, you know. <laughs> He's like, that's a really, like... Uh, that's my paraphrase of it. So I watched that too, but I, I didn't get that. I almost got like he was just so chill that that's just the like it's kind of sound like that. Stuff. He was just like so chill about it where he was just like like he had no like I even care how someone's going to take like the words like a, a normal person would be like, oh, these people, the previous rappers put in a really good effort, but I just had this. And he's just like, nah, they sucked. I put in something yeah, way well, better. And they ask him like, do you remember who they were? And he's like, no. Right. But it's almost like just pure honesty, right? To where it sounds yeah, I, like surliness. I, I buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, when you listen to his music, he is not. This makes me want to look up the word surly because maybe I don't even fucking know what it means. But he's so bright and he's so like, his vision is so like illuminating of whatever he's looking at. Surly doesn't really fit. Yeah. And he did, um, if anyone hasn't heard of him, he did another concept album called uh, Deltron 3030, right? And it's mind blowing. Well, it's so. It's one of the best. It's one of the best albums ever made. And it's <laughs> this kind of like spacefaring concept album, and just the, it's hilarious, and it's like catchy, and it's just like perfect. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good at at listening to rap lyrics. Like, I'm very good at knowing what the words are, and I'm very good at. at, at getting the meaning i never really got the concept part of the of that record but i love it i love it anyway yeah it was almost like a post-apocalyptic spacefaring and i think he's making lots of like kind of like points about like environmentalism and, and stuff like that it's kind of like the point of it was like nothing really changes like like this was in like this futuristic like advanced universe but everyone was still the same shitty way and having the same like <laughs> shitty problems and i think it was like a way of like 
criticizing the current times by just showing like in the future how it would be if we were like that same way. Do you think we can get Dell the Funky? Can you call him Dell? Do you always have to say Dell the Funky Homo Sapien? Well, I think if you're friends, but I think you need to call him Mr. Homo Sapien until <laughs> you get that like bond. Then then maybe you can go Dell. Doc, Dr. Funky. Um, <laughs> we should get him on the podcast. For sure. Someone ring him up. Tweet uh, at him. We'll let Alyssa do that. Okay. I'm on it. I'm on it. I can be annoying. Um, but, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, continuing kind of the like, I I don't I don't know how often this happens, but I love how some of their lyrics are like, the lyrics come from like they actually would be animals, or like they come from like the story. Like I, there's some lyric that was like, he's caught up in like a decision between his like brain and his tail. And I might be like messing up that layer, but it is what someone that had a tail would say in a song. Wait, which, right? which, which record or which? It's it's off of Gorillas. I think it's the it's either nineteen two thousand. Let me look up the lyric real quick. I think it's nineteen two hundred. What's your like? Oh yeah. But, I mean, but, it comes that it comes down to self-titled and demon days right like those not the other ones are all good too but like those two are like the master works i would say yeah oh here's the lyric i found it there's a monkey in the jungle watching a vapor trail caught up in the conflict between his brain and his tail oh yeah it's, it's and i'm like great. that is literally what a monkey <laughs> would write in this song and i just i just love that they did that and thought of that and that's uh 19 uh 2000 from the Gorillaz original album. Um, I was thinking to myself, uh, like s some some bands, like I think some bands you have you almost have to know the music going in, or it's not super enjoyable live. And then other bands, it just helps to know music. I think. I mean, I guess we'll see what the actual show's like, but I think with the Gorillas, it's probably going to be a very interesting show even if you don't know any of the music that well, right? Like you don't have to learn it all or anything like that, right? And it's, there's too much of it. Who knows what they will even play, right? But you don't, it, I think it'll just be enjoyable just to go and see it and be like, yep, that was sweet. Whatever I they remember, do. I remember they did, it was like an award show and this was like really early in like Gorillaz and it was still where they, it was just like the animations on screen and they did these like photo realistic life-size animations for the band playing the instrument and like as they're like waiting up i think like the one is just like there in his underwear and like his underwear is like stained a little bit and then like as he's waiting he just starts like scratching his crotch and i'm like that's like the little like details of like the animation that i love and that are like so yeah. great what did you, did you know we covered none of us were into the comic book tank girl. Was anybody into the movie tank girl? Cause he was also involved in that. Uh, no, no I, I was going to say the only reason I know tank girls, because I remember when there was a movie coming out and I remember it like looking cool. Like I remember yeah, it being like yeah. kind of like shocking looking or, you know, um, but I don't think I ever, if I ever saw it, I can't remember. I definitely saw it. I'm pretty sure I saw it with, we're going way back here. I believe I saw it with Rocco Say It. Oh. Rocky Say It. 
Um, Youngstown. Youngstown dude. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember liking it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like, I, I don't know. Oh, good. Uh, I never, I never had. I think all that stuff from the Tank Girl vibe has like a very punk rock aesthetic. A punk, it's like of that ethos, and that has never resonated with me. It still doesn't to this day. I, I really don't give a fuck about punk rock or that kind of whole. That's gonna be weird when we talk about Pussy Riot then. <laughs> yeah, well, it's different. I th- yeah, I have different things to say there, but like I don't know. I've, I've never been like. A, it, that kind of negativity, not that I can't be negative, but that kind of negativity has never really landed for me. Mm. Can we uh, um. play one of my uh, favorite mm. Gorilla songs? And it's probably, it's one off, off their newer albums. But uh, can, and it's a short one too, so we might be able to do like most of it. But can you play Ascension featuring Vince Staples from Humans? Yeah, I was going to say the chorus on this is. Mm-hmm. This song, I I don't know, this is like, uh, this is like a perfect song to me. It's hilarious. Finish your thing. I'll cut that out. Uh, I thought it's, the song is hilarious. It's in Vince Staples, like, style. But then, like, the gorillas comes in. The lyrics, the lyrics are, uh, the lyrics, the lyrics are, like, hilarious and relevant and then they start to like and then like as you think about them they almost get like darker and then you start to like listen and like oh wow yeah that that shit's like real but uh yeah go ahead with that you were now tuned into the tomb of Jehovah playing with tools lining up to shake the room what's the order but the world is in it soon I assume that they told you they trying to down the show us so now it's time to go up This gas rolling baby drop that ass for the crash. This gas rolling baby drop that ass for the crash. This gas rolling baby drop that ass for the crash. This gas rolling baby drop that ass for the crash. The roof is on fire. She went like gold strikes in. Police everywhere, stop the nigga, kill the white man. I just wanna find a baby around the throat tonight. So don't be coming around this on that bad rap shit. On the 911 shit. Need a Mrs. Brown's Missy, I can ask some fun. Don't stop, bitch, stay folks, stay hated on the since days the most. Let my people go crazy, who starts falling? Don't chase this gas rolling, baby, drop that ass for the crash. This gas rolling, baby, drop that ass for the crash. Yeah, I love that tension in the chorus with the, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was, but those kind of random rhythms. Like, Can you go uh, to the end of the song for like the last of its Staples lyric on it? Or like, it like blows me away. I'm just playing, baby, yeah, this here. the land of the free. Well, you can get a Glock in the grand for the cheap. Well, you can live your dreams long as you don't look like me. Be a puppy, don't string hanging from a fucking tree. But so like the... The whole point, I think, of this song is it's kind of like like the world's falling apart. All this like bad stuff's happening, but like we're just worried about like 
taking Instagram pictures and like taking this and stuff like that. And it's like these kind of like distractions to the actual problems. And like a, there's like some talks of kind of like of like feminism and things like that, where it's like, you know, we're like gaining more rights and gaining all this stuff. And then but like still all these people are just kind of like concerned with like outward appearances and all these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It's like a very well, like, deep song as you look at it. When in the un, what word do I want there? Un, unremittance of racism, like like that. That's under underlying the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, last time the gorillas played like this beautiful, Vince Staples was also there. So Vince Staples came out and did this song with them. So we probably won't be so lucky um, on our round. I do have a theory though. That so there's still like two blurred out names, and I'm hoping they're just like placeholders for like. For like some mid-level people that'll just come along, <laughs> that, that are on some of uh, these gorilla songs, and then they'll also get to play. So, um, what if it's de- oh, what it- I don't know how specific this is to me, but what if it's De La Soul? That would blow my mind. Are they still alive? Are De La Soul in like Walkers now? Are they like retired and like? I don't know. I don't know. That would be your most excite your most exciting one. Or Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah, I, I think Dell's Dave- gonna be there. I think De La Soul's too big to be blurred out. Like would, you're not, think, yeah. you're not gonna get like I, every now and then, like on like a forum or something, people are like just throwing out these like huge artists, and it's like they would never be blurred out, yeah. right? It's yeah, gonna be yeah. like a mid tier or like below. So, I uh, like I, mean, I feel like De La Soul is like almost like a probably pre headliner show. Like they'd be up there, yeah. Um, the ultimate one is Snoop Dogg. That He's would be. On- He's on some group. He's on a oh, this is the same album, right? Yeah, he's on a couple albums. I'm pretty sure they yeah. have him on a couple songs. So that would be the ultimate. Oh, it's just not likely because he he'd be a, at least a headliner. I don't know. I don't I don't know where he put Snoop Dogg, but it's not low. <laughs> well, uh, man, that is a good theory though that one of the blurred out artists will be a collaborator with Gorillas. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and they just don't know who yet. They're like, we'll get someone. Yeah. Um, someone said that one of them looks like uh, who, Slow Tie. Uh, is that their name? Yeah, Slow yeah. Tie. And they're on one of the songs. Um, I think D- uh, Danny Brown is on one of their songs. Mm-hmm. That'd be is, a good. Which so- I don't think so. Are you sure? Yeah, he's. Oh, yeah. the only reason it's going to sound like I know this album really well, but don't just have it in front of me. He's on the same album, Humans. I just I know. The, Danny Brown's voice. Cleveland rapper, right? Oh, Mark? yeah, he is. Um, we saw, I don't know, is he Cleveland? We saw him in Cleveland. I thought he was a Cleveland rapper. Um, Danny Brown would be a cool Def one. Most Def is on some songs. I don't I don't know that he's mid-tier, but... He feels a I little big, too. Like, Earth Gang. Yeah. I know Earth Gang. They were just at Life is Beautiful. Know, Earth Gang feels like year. the perfect band to, like, bring out, too. That, that, yeah. And that would be one you could blur out without it being stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my hope is that that's why those two blurred out names are there. And they're like, yeah, just some placeholders, a little bit of buffer money for some some of uh, Damon Albar's friends to come and play. And maybe it'll be Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly um, um, that's definitely one of the things I'm most excited for. On to yeah. Pussy Riot? Anybody want to intro no, Pussy I got, Riot? I got two things first. Oh, when you guys have a chance, off a of plastic beach, there's a song called White Flag. And I only like it because it ends as if it is 
there's like an orchestra or something that's on the song, but it ends as if like you're in Middle Earth or you're going on an adventure in like Hyrule or something like that. It has like a a very like adventure sounding orchestral thing that you hear in like a video game or something like that. And I love that. Um, this 10 seconds would anybody be like oh yeah the gorillas yeah. well I think that's what they said too like they will just they use the gorillas to make well, Damon Albarn uses the gorillas to make all kinds of music that he can't make if he's just being blur right yeah yeah that's what he says in uh, one of those interviews that, that that was the original it's like it was everything that he thought of or created that wouldn't fit in Blur, which was mm-hmm. most stuff because Blur is a pop rock band. You know, it's pretty narrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, kind of hoping they Damon do... Al- oh, go ahead. I'm kind of hoping they do, like, a two-hour set because they just have so much music and, like, they could do, like, little cartoons and, like, movies and stuff like that. And, like, normally, like, sometimes I get, like, bored with that, but I don't think I would with Gorillaz. There, there, could, be sets, there could be sets within a set and stuff, too, mm-hmm. like, different. Yeah. Oh, and then before we finish, if uh, a great thing to check out is the Gorillas live in Harlem. They do a lot of their original album in Demon Days, and then they bring out a ton of the original mm-hmm. artists on there, and it's great. It's a great watch to see them live. Uh, I'm pulling it up because I want to watch it later. Um, they are, they have like, well, they said they're having a world tour. Um, so the dates they've all released are all in Europe and they're playing uh, the big festival in Spain. What's it called? Starts with a P, Primavera, Primavera Sound. Um, so we might be able to assess pretty soon what it's going to be like based on um, some of their shows. And I assume that they will then also do U.S. dates probably after Life is Beautiful. Like This is probably like one of the first ones. They haven't announced them yet. But they called it a world tour, and it's only in Europe right now. So um, I assume it will be more. Anyways, how old is Damon Albarn? Uh, so, woohoo! What is that? Song, song number two. That's about 1996. And I don't think he's young when he made that. I think he's 30 when he made that. So I think he was born in 1966. I think he is 40, 50, 55 years old. Uh, I was going to go 42. He's 54 years old. Wow. So Mark wins again because you went over just. Oh, <laughs> but I, did I, I reduced it so much better. <laughs> he's 54. But here's the other fun thing. The, the members of the gorillas, they also age. So in oh, I didn't know they, that. <laughs> they age in phases. So like if you watch early cartoons, they're younger and they age with each album. So in the first album, they call it phase one. Tootie's 22 years old. Murdoch is 34. Noodle is 10 years old. Yeah. And Russell's 25. And then the most recent phase uh, called phase four, 2D is 38 years old, Murdoch's 49, Noodle's 25, and Russell's 41. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah I, I like love that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The, my kids are always bummed the Simpsons don't do that because they're like, we watch the Simpsons, but I, I only like like seasons 
four through 15. Fuck all the other seasons. But every once in a while, they'll be like, let's watch a new one. And I do. And they're like, why aren't they older? And I'm like, it's cartoons don't work that way, man. It's kind of like reverse TV series, right? Where they yeah. have to like rush them out because the kids are aging too fast. Right, yeah. All right. Are uh, we ready for Pussy Riot? Yeah. Ready. Alyssa? Oh. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to introduce Pussy Riot appropriately. Um, Pussy Riot is a Russian performance punk rock kind of vibe. They are. Um, I would add political know, activists. Yeah, sort of political activists. They started out. I. Uh, they started out. They weren't even meant to. They weren't even planning to be a band. They just wanted to do a performance of some sort to kind of protest. And it ended up, they sort of wrote a song. This is what I read on the internet, at least. They, they sort of wrote a song right before and, and went up, and that's how they decided to protest. So um, they are sort of famous, historically famous, because back in, what, like 2010, 2011, they um, performed on the steps of a church in Russia they got arrested for it. They actually got arrested for um, and charged with hooliganism <laughs> is, what, is what the Internet says. And I was like, hooliganism? I love this. Um, and the two two of the main members back then, I think it's sort of like a rotating membership or whoever wants to be a part of the Pussy Riot Collective can be a part of it. Um, they went to jail for two years. Um I don't actually know what their show will be like live. It's hard to say. In a lot of the things that you see them, um, they sort of wear ski masks with like, you know, the they're, eyes and mouth cut out, um, yeah, like you call them balaclavas. As I said, I don't know if you really call them ski masks. They're they're more like rustic looking than that. They're like knit. knit yeah, hats. yeah. Like if they took like a knit hat and then cut the eyes out, right? Yeah. Like it it looks more punk rock than that. Um, they seem to have one main, main member or the girl who's always out in the front. Yeah. Um, and uh, her name is Nadia, Nadia. Uh, and so she's the one, like I've watched a couple interviews with them. She's always the one that's kind of talking. She seems to be like the main singer in a couple of the live performances. She's the only one that's like not in a mask or doesn't have like, sometimes they're wearing face paint or something like that. Um, so I think she's kind of the, at least, face of it at this point in juncture. Um, well, and she was the face of it originally, too. Yeah, like, and she's, she was she's the one, one that of, went to jail. Yeah, yeah, she is one of the ones that w went to jail originally, yes. Yeah, um, I, I saw in the Wikipedia article that there was some, like, controversy around, like, some of the members trying to, like, I don't know, like, profit from it. And there was, like, this kind of, like, split in the band or, like, there was a little, like, back and forth, like, who was ac actually in the band or not. Did you see that? I didn't get that far down. No. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I <laughs> it watched was a, a lot long of videos, Wikipedia but... article. I sort of skimmed it and was like, let me just get the gist here. And then I tried, I watched, like, a seven-minute, like, ten-question video. And I was like, all right, I got the history. I got yeah. it. Yeah, um, I, I watched a lot of their videos, which I'm inclined to play more than the recordings. I, I, my gut here is that the record is not as good a representation as like their social media and their YouTube account is. Yeah, I mean, they're there to make a statement, not so much to 
make very great music. <laughs> yeah, but like, I'll, I'll play a little bit of this. Like this, this video is shocking. It's definitely a shock. Oh, it's not playing. Computers is bitches too. A Trump News Network special report. We are glad to announce billionaire and everybody's favorite Donald Trump has won the presidential elections. We are going to make America so great again. Donald Trump made his first visit to Washington. No more Muslims. These are people that nobody knows who they are. We better be careful. No more Mexicans. We're going to stop it and we're going to build a wall. You have to come in to be an American. They're troublemakers. They're no good. We Yeah, and, and in the video there, they're they're branding the the lead singer Nadia with a you know cow brand, cattle branding thing that says outsider on it. So it's it's like it's very moving. It's a little. I mean, I don't I don't want to criticize anything that has has an important social aspect for people who are oppressed, but but like just as a as a as a piece of art. This is like a little bit gross. I mean that in the, the abstract sense of the word gross. Like it's a little bit like, it's not totally well done. It's kind of over the top in a way. Yeah, that's it's a little it's not, on the it, nose. It's on the nose, yes. It's a little oh, on the nose. What a politically correct way of saying it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, like it could be more moving, you know, If it, but it's a little on the nose. But I still like it. Like I, I, I watched this very intently. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I thought it was very, like, it was kind of, like, extreme in, in the way that was, like, their way of making the point. But I kind of find, like, these kind of, like, on either side, these, like, extreme, like, political, like, statements kind of only speak to the people that already agreed with you. And so, like, it's kind of like, I, I don't know if it's as effective as, you know, like, maybe like a less extreme kind of thing that would be like more interesting. Yeah. And because I, if you go ahead, sorry. No, like, it's, ah, <laughs> no, because it's interesting because this song is actually what I think one of their better songs. But I feel like I, I was I couldn't like really get into their music. It wasn't like really like my type of it. But I thought like this one actually like straddle line of like being a good song and being like politically relevant. So I do think it's like a good song to like discuss. And I kind of like I like this idea of like it almost seemed like sort of like a warning of what they thought like a Trump presidency would be. And f coming from like a Russian perspective, there is something to like say about that. But it's also like, it kind of like comes with this like balance of like, you know, like this is like a country where we are like currently free to criticize like politicians. Like they were yeah. previously like arrested, right, for basically like made right. up things. And if they would have made this song about Putin, they probably would be like permanently arrested, right?
or or disappeared or whatever. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I think yeah, if you were coming, and there's some, I appreciate it in that way because if you're coming from that perspective of being jailed for what did you call it, hooliganism, hooliganism. It's basically like a made up charge, right? And then, I believe then, there was yeah. lots of like um, there's religious laws in Russia, and so there is these, and it's they're basically like these laws that are like general enough that if you offend the right people or you say like the wrong thing, they'll use that to arrest well, you. And, and they mess. They they broach the topic of homosexuality. I forget. Some someone in the band is gay. Is the I don't know. So, someone's gay. And that that's the charge for being gay in Russia is death. It's it's a different. It's hard to. It it is hard to put our our minds in the cultural mindset mm-hmm. necessary to fully appreciate this. I think. Yeah, we talk like I talk about this where we like how we like don't appreciate how far things have like progressed where I remember when I was a kid it was like an honest debate whether like you know like homosexuals could get married and now like it's not a debate it's like as obvious as can be right like that's not even like a thing right but like it was illegal in states and things like that and so it is but like I agree it's like good to get a perspective from people that have kind of like lived in a much more like oppressive country as to what we need to like worry about right and what we need to like protect ourselves from becoming yeah just making sure i uh self-correct a little bit here i don't i don't know if anyone in pussy riot is gay but they participated in the 2011 gay pride rally in moscow which obviously was illegal And I, the one thing, like, I guess would be cur- and I, I don't know, like, how often or, like, what their style putting on music is, but this kind of, like, Ukraine scenario we're in now, like, normally, like, I, I kind of, like, originally be, like, a hard pass, but I am kind of, like, curious if what their viewpoint would be of this, like, Ukraine situation. Yeah. And I, I still don't know if, like, going to see their show is, like, the best way to, like, absorb that. Like, I, I'm not exactly, like, sure. Like, I've watched some of their live performances, and it, it seemed kind of, you know, like, uh, haphazard. <laughs> and uh, um, so I'm not sure, like, if it's going to be, like, a, you know, like, a political conversation, or is it just going to be, like, kind of like screaming in the mic between their songs, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I bet I bet there's going to be some kind of Ukraine thing. Because now that they're, because as far as I can tell, they're pretty much out of the Russian system. Now. I don't know where they live. But all these recent things, it doesn't seem like they're in Russia, the things I'm watching on YouTube. I don't know where they are, but it doesn't seem like they're. So I think once you're out of that protected bubble of Russia, you're going to have the same view everybody else does of Russia and Ukraine, I would, I would guess. I think it's just when you're in Russia, you still have a large chunk of people who think that Zelensky is a Nazi or whatever. Right. Then these people are just kind of, you know, it's like the same thing here where people are just kind of being hit by like propaganda from like all sides. And so it's not like just looking at ourselves as a country. It's not surprising that like people in Russia would believe that propaganda that, you know, the Russian government is putting out. Yeah. I, I spent four months in Costa Rica during COVID lockdown and I was in this very remote part of Costa Rica. That was, it's kind of like it's called Zancudo, Playa Zancudo. And it's a mosquito beach. It's like really mosquito-y. Uh, and it's kind of famous for like where you go in Costa Rica if you're trying to escape the law. There's a lot. It basically, like in the four months I was there, pretty much everyone who I got to know well, I eventually realized was into something illegal, often related to cocaine. 
But there was this woman there who was not into anything illegal. Um, his name is I'm blanking on, but she was Russian. She was originally from Russia or, you know, like had lived her, most of her life in Russia. And, and this is COVID time. So she's doing the anti-vaxxer thing. And I, and I, I got on her a little bit at, or and Carissa too, it got on her a little bit. Like, you know, like that's fucked up. Like, stop saying that shit. That's stupid. And she was like, I spent 30 years in Russia. My skepticism of what your CDC says or what the World Health Organization says is going to be higher than yours because I literally have been lied to my entire life. And I and she, she like actually did make me like step back a little bit. She was like, you need to understand that I am going to be more skeptical than you. And there's nothing I can do about that. And I was like, uh, that's the most that's the most valid. Still not valid. Right. But it's the closest thing to valid that I've heard as an argument to be really deeply skeptical of the vaccine. Uh, there was another podcast I was listening to almost as good as ours, but um, <laughs> they were talking. Um, it, it was someone who was like born in Russia and came to America and they were in this like work kind of like workshop at work. And one of the questions was like, what would you do if you had like a conflict? with another coworker, And like the answers in America was like, you know, I would talk to them or I would, you know, bring it up with the manager and kind of like try to like work it out. And he was just thinking like in Russia, your answer would be a to not say anything and to think about who that person might know. Yeah, yeah. Because if that person knows powerful or whatever, you could be in like big trouble. You might need to do that. And it's like uh, you can just think of like that would be like a normal conflict and like your brain is wired completely differently to like yeah. a thing of like this is something i need to fear and like be careful of and i think like going back to like covid we're kind of like seeing like the post effects of this with like more like aggressive and angry people where we went through these like multiple years of like seeing people as like things that are like can make you sick so like like every like outsider was like a threat and yeah. so like there mm -hmm. are countries that have like always been like that or anyone you don't know oh might be like a government agent or someone that can like do something yeah. like that and we we're kind of like in that like post well hopefully post-covid world of like people are more like at least what i know is people are more like harsh and like aggressive to each other just because we've kind of like been living in that for a while Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The other time that woman set me straight, I wish I could remember her first name, but I still can't. Nadia. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, Nadia. Um, her brother was, Mark and I are software developers. Her brother is a software developer in Russia. He's also a hardware developer. He built like something significant for the Russian ATM system, the way they get money out of their ATMs there. It's like, like, a, like a high profile technologist in Russia. And he can't, he doesn't ever have enough money to come visit her. And she was asking me, like, well, what are the ways you can make money, like, on the internet with, with a software developer <laughs> skill set? And I showed her, like, I showed her, like, Upwork.com or whatever. And I went to some, you know, I found some Russian profiles. And I was like, here's a guy who lives in St. Petersburg. He charges $45 an hour. We would charge a lot more for the same skill set. But, like, it looks like you can get 45 bucks an hour on Upwork.com at least. 
and that blew her mind because because her brother was making like like 11 bucks an hour as like a as like a senior technologist in the russian government right like a highly skilled kind of thing right um, and that, that like blew her mind she was like holy shit i have to show him this but then she was unsure if he'd be able to see that website right it goes back to like, like that trust thing yeah it might be what's really happening is that those people in st petersburg who are doing that have some elaborate mechanism of getting to upwork.com in the first place because they maybe you can't get to that website at all in russia normally you need you know you need to be paying somebody to proxy your internet traffic to another mm -hmm. country right and there's the other weird thing that like i think americans have like a hard perspective of of like other country like we talked about this with um I think Lebanon, this just happened where like their money devalued by 50% in a year. And so, it, you know, like if you had, you know, $1,000 in the bank, it's now worth $500. So like but all of the I, money you've like earned and like saved up is now worth half in a year. Yeah, yeah not to equate, equate it one to one to the, the experience in those countries, but I'm not sure that's, that that might be happening in the U.S. right now. I think we're really slow to compute this in, this inflation number, and we have we don't have any, we have certain formalized ways of computing it. But I think our currency is inflating rather dramatically. Right, but we're still talking like here, like you know, eight to ten percent, and yeah. like other not, countries, not ninety percent, fifty percent or higher. Right, yeah. where like your well, I think, money becomes worthless. Well, I think Venezuela, it was like several hundred percent, and they, they I think just it was threw like all thousands of percent, and they yeah, yeah they were printing like billions. Yeah. I forget why, but the the thing that what what it made sense for the bank to do was to just throw all the money into the road into the dumpsters and stuff. I don't I don't remember why that made sense, but there's all these like crazy photos where they're throwing like a whole bank's worth of money just into the road. I remember like their solution Make it was rain. their solution was to like just cut all the zeros off, so they like just made up a new number to like represent their currency. And uh, but uh, we digress. Pussy Riot. Yeah, I know nothing about We're that. We're a long way. But Pussy Riot, very interesting culturally, right? I mean, as yeah. far as the, the social artistic validity of it, super fascinating, super brave, super, mm -hmm. super admirable. Um, I, I think it's a good for catch for Life is Beautiful, especially like in the current times, right? It's, it's like a good... Uh, Band to have on it. I I don't know if it's I don't know if I would go see them unless like I, I feel like if there was any artist that I kind of liked, I would pick them over Pussy Riot. But if there was no other artist, I would kind of like hang out in the back and see what they're about. I feel the other way. I'll, unless it's well, not necessarily the other way, but but uh, the other. I, I feel slightly differently. Unless it's like against the band I really, really like, I will definitely go see Pussy Riot because I, I think it's part of the zeitgeist. I used the word zeitgeist today and someone was like, why the fuck are you using that word? I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's definitely a word that you're using to like show how smart and cool you are. No, uh -huh. I, I'm uncool and I'm average smart. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's a common word. You guys, no, you guys no way. No, no. no way is that a common okay. word. Well, never mind. But uh, I, I think it's a part of, of the, this moment in history. Yeah. So I, for, I for the culture. Yeah. As the kids I say. feel like you'll stay for two songs and you'll be like, oh, I can't do this anymore. 
I do hate punk rock. If it sounds like punk rock, I'll probably watch. I I always thought it had kind of like a goth, <laughs> like they had kind of like a gothic sound. Or like, I don't know. The re- the record like, goes. What'd you say? You said Marilyn Manson earlier, but I was thinking Nine Inch Nails. It goes kind of industrial. Yeah, industrial is like a great way to put it. It felt very in like angry industrial kind of thing. Yeah, but each song sounds. I mean, they're definitely all made by different producers. I think. Yeah, and like yeah, I watched cool. some of their live stuff on YouTube, and again, it, it same thing. It felt very like disjointed and very like I, I don't know how great of a live show it would be I mean, unless not... you're going for the uh, zeitgeist. For the culture. Yeah, the fuck is the um, definition of zeitgeist? I I think if I go and I show show up in my balaclava, I have like a good chance of being invited on stage. So I might go just to like. Wear my wear my pussy riot mask. And, well, pussy riot uh, wouldn't want you to be invited. No, just go up I, there. <laughs> just go up. Don't yeah, like right. make make anybody like a fake Anybody can be a part lanyard. of pussy riot. Yeah. I read that. Anybody can. There's like a famous thing where like a boy came, a guy came over and was like, "Can be, a, can I be a part of pussy riot today?" And they were like, "Yeah," but then it's like very wrong in Russia for men to dress as women or anything like that. And he literally got beat. So yeah, I mean. The pun. I, can you can you rap? I, I feel like it's worth reiterating. The punishment for being gay in Russia is death. Yeah. That's some. That's some like year six hundred and thirty shit. That that's like thousands of years out of date. Well, except for in the Middle East, where it's still also true. <laughs> I actually the, this does bring up like an interesting point that I wanted to make where kind of like the power of I I don't know if you want to say like the mob but of like this kind of like culture where Pussy Riot was released from prison like they the Russian government would not risk permanently like imprisoning them um, over this kind of thing and they were like released but and I I can't see any other reason other than like the world wouldn't accept that that you know that people were just that these people were put in prison just for performing or just protesting. I have a a little bit of nuance there. As long as we think we can trust this random Russian woman who was living in Playa Zancudo in Costa Rica. Uh, She wouldn't trust herself. But but what she she was saying stuff to the effect that it's not, Russia is not systemless. They have laws they have they have a a formal system and they do follow it so like yeah it's illegal to protest and you go to jail for that but that's an actual law on their books it's not it's not like putin like or whoever like just just randomly decides that you go to jail like it sort of maintains the vibe of a, of a proper system it's just so you wouldn't go to jail for life or die if that's not in the law. Like, like they do actually maintain a law. Their laws are just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but like I, I would like we shouldn't get too far into this. But I would look up like there was there was this I, I think is I can't remember what his name is. There's basically this Russian opposition guy to Putin that's putting out like YouTube videos and things like that, and they basically like arrested him. Well, they, they tried He's still to poison. There. They tried to yeah. poison him. And then they arrested him basically as soon as he came back in the country on this charge of like he stole money from like political donors 
and he's been in prison and now they just extended they just you they basically like usually look at it, they kind of like made it up and they just extended his like prison term with kind of like all the turmoil yeah, going yeah, on yeah. in there and that's kind of like where i come from where i like if they were worried about if they weren't worried about some outside pressure i feel like these kind of like political groups and stuff like that they would just kind of like keep imprisoned so like or or even like what you said they have this like system of laws because they're worried what would happen if they just permanently like imprison people exactly yeah there's there's the i don't know what you would call that the guise of a proper system but it's very corrupt right we're going to get yeah, someone I, who knows a shit ton about Russia who listens I to this. Know, we're just gonna and they're going to be like, these fucking idiots. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll bring them onto the podcast then. And <laughs> we they can call will. us idiots If you know a lot about face. Russia and you well, want to correct like, us, please just, don't. Just like, cut, just like cut to Amy Goodman. Like, And now these three Clevelanders <laughs> <laughs> discuss Russia. <laughs> Democracy now. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that that video that you played of them, man, do I not miss hearing Trump all the time? It's very nice. Oh, it's great. It's very I, nice. I, I, mean, I don't know honest, if everything's great right now, but man, just not having your stupid mean, fucking voice. I mean, I fucking don't like hearing Biden talk either, honestly, but I'll take it a thousand times over. But Trump was so much more entertaining than Biden. <laughs> like, oh, you just don't know what he's going to say. That's was a, the funny um, part of that video. And I, everyone's favorite. I think it was Donald a tr- Trump. Um, when I was talking about Dingus today, I forgot to bring this up in terms of music. How hard is it to learn the accordion? Oh, I bought one. Of course you would. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's, it depends what you're trying to do. There's fundamentally two types. You're trying to be in types. a polka band. It's the only thing okay. to do with it. Okay, you, you, want a, you want an accordion that has a keyboard on the right hand, a piano-like mm-hmm. keyboard, and, a, and these buttons on the left hand. Mm-hmm. If, you want to play, if you want to play like Italian traditional music, you want one that has that weird button system on both hands. But for for polka, you want this keyboard thing, and it's it's fairly easy. So so with like basic keyboard skills, just that you get from like the the, the I, I played the key, yeah the the internet. I mean that you get with like I don't know, two hundred hours of effort or something. I, I don't know. I played the keyboard like minimally, and I, I I was able to play it. Like it's a little difficult to get the rhythm of when you're squeezing the box. Because you get different pitches when you when you pull it out, so you, you have to be like a little bit aware of the, on the buttons. Um, but how hard is it? It's like a if you're gonna practice a half hour a day, Mm-mm. you're not. <laughs> yes, I am. Let's in theory, okay. in theory, to be in the polka band that I would like to be in. If you're not gonna practice a half hour a day, you're not gonna learn any instrument. But if you're gonna practice a half hour a day. And and you have basic musical aptitude, which you which you do. You already you can already read music. I know. Um, you'll probably figure it out in like like six months. You think someone teaches accordion? Yeah, in Cleveland. Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Frank right. Yankovic. What, that dude is from Cleveland. The main guy, Frank Yankovic, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I bet you could like in. reach out. I bet you could honestly go to the Polish bar in Tremont. Ask the dude, and he would know like ten people that would be willing to like tutor you in that. Uh, may- maybe, but knowing knowing Alyssa's friend group, I would message Rob Kovacs. Oh yeah, he probably knows somebody. 
Yeah, you might know somebody. Um, it's sort of like that would be like the coolest. That by far for my polka band is the coolest instrument to play. Saxophone is probably like the second most important thing though, and that could be so, cool. So uh, you Mark, might remember. you could do saxophone because you did clarinet. Uh, I did. I did uh, tenor sax in a marching band too. There yeah. we go. I, our, our, my band's starting. I think it's like think I do not tenor, want to be in your fucking polka band. I think the tenor sax has the exact same like uh, fingerings as the clarinet. So no. it's false. Are you sure? Yeah, because the uh, the tenor saxophone is a canonical instrument, which means that when you switch oct, so they, they figured out when the saxophone was invented in the in the eighteen fifties, eighteen nineties in that range, that if you make the instrument cone shaped. When you jump up an octave, you can keep the same fingering. So if you play a low C on the saxophone, that's basically all the keys down, then you hit the octave key, or you can do it, just do it with your mouth too, you don't really need the octave key. You jump up and you keep the same fingering. It's, you can play three C's in three different octaves all with the same fingering. That's not possible on the clarinet because it's a cylindrical instrument. They hadn't figured that math out yet to make the, so when you go into the next register, it's a totally different fingering. So what is the tenor, or what is the tenor sax's fingering the same as? It's very similar to the flute. It's identical to the alto saxophone, um, and it's and it's basically identical to the flute. Oh, I must have had. I, I feel I like that was the reason why I like picked it up because it was like very easy to pick up there. The, the, the flute, the flute is also a cylindrical instrument, so it has that same problem I just described. But in the first octave, it's. I believe I don't play the flute, but I believe it's identical to the saxophone in the first octave. I had to take the class where you fucking learned about all the instruments. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I figured. Hand, I was like, here, this was this was from Josie's uh, time when he yeah. thought it was going to be a guitar major, essentially. Yeah, yeah. They like hand you the instrument for a week, and you're like, what? The, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I'm supposed to learn to play this? Like, what? Am I, like, and you That's obviously right. became a software developer from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we didn't ask you know, uh, how old. We're just gonna assume Nadia is Pussy Riot. She's not. How old do you think she is? I, it's hard to say. I think she was in her twenties in two thousand eleven. I think she's in her thirties now. I was gonna say thirty-five. That was the first thing that came to my head. She's thirty-two, according to the internet. So. I guess Josie wins that time because Mark was over. But Josie Although didn't give Josie an actual answer. Josie gave a 30s, but. <laughs> I feel like the rules are against me. We got to tweak the rules. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I just change the rules every time so that you lose. <laughs> like, oh, Mark's right again. <laughs> oh, by the way, maybe I'll cut this into the other part of the episode. Zeitgeist. The defining spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. Mm -hmm. an, ex an example, the story captured the zeitgeist of the late 60s. Yeah, I still with, feel like with, the issue Woodstock. wasn't with the definition of the word, more that like nobody uses the word. And that's you why. You go to college? Like, I feel like it's a common word. That's why understand. you're pretentious, is because nobody okay. uses that except people that want to be pretentious. I was just ripping on Wordle for giving me the word foyer. I got that. Alyssa did not get it, though. <laughs> I did not get it. I was like, voter? Yeah. <laughs> like, coder? I did coder? I think I did polar in there. 
like I ER, did, like oh, to I, pole. <laughs> yes, I think I, think I, did, I think I did polar too with an E. Yeah, I think I, I, think I also did that. <laughs> uh, not my day. Not my day. Okay, so now this pop star. Um, I can do the intro of this if no one's prepared. I think Mark Claire. can. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, please. yeah. Claire Rosencrantz. Um, she, I believe, she's a newer artist. Um, the I actually, I got this feeling you might not have liked her, Josie, but I really enjoyed her music. I it was a little bit like punky, a little bit like rocky. It was. Um, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I read a little bit of her bio. It said, I guess her dad either like produces her songs or like helps make them with her. Um, she, I kind of got like a, a former uh, Life is Beautiful alumni, backseat lovers kind of feel, a little bit of a coin feel. Um, but like a lot of her music was like, I noticed like she had like co-singers or either like added on later like to like a singer or and but I really enjoyed her and I think like she was like near like must see but definitely like I got like a vibe of like the more I listened to her songs the more I like really enjoyed them and it was kind of like a like that like uh, like punk rock relationship angsty kind of like yeah. music that I got and uh, but I I was I really enjoyed her music yeah I should walk my negativity back because because I did I do sort of like it. it it's definitely aimed at 16 year old girls but that's cool that, that's a big part of who likes music like that's a good thing um, it's not it's obviously not aimed for 38 year old men some of, the, some of the lyrics are a little laughable to me, like a little bit of a chuckle. Um, but some of the lyrics are pretty... I, I could imagine that for a 16-year-old girl, some... Not 16-year-old girl. I, I can imagine for many people, some of those lyrics are really touching. Yeah, I think lyrics. it's important, uh, while we're referencing the age, typically I end with this, but how old do you think she is? Cause I think that's important. Uh, she's, she's. I didn't look it up, but she's extremely young. She's 16? 16 to 18. Yeah, I was thinking 18, 19. She's 16 years old. And yeah. so it's a, it's um, it is songs written by a 16-year-old girl, and her dad produces them. Um, and yeah. so it she, is... She talks about her dad on her Instagram or, or YouTube or whatever. It's pretty cute. Like, yeah. Yeah, she's like, I gotta spend the day in the studio with my dad. It's, nice. <laughs> it's super like, cute. And it's impressive, you know, at 16 years old to write these catchy little songs, right? I, so, ta- I didn't know. Talented, too. Yeah, I didn't know she was 16, but that blows me away, like, how good her music sounds and, like, how good her... Uh, yeah, just, like, overall, like, the quality of everything. I, I did, it like, production-wise, I did notice that, like, I'm trying to think which... It was... Maybe it was... Ch- change your mind you are not for your but um <laughs> and i like uh it was sarcastic sounds and clinton kane were on it and they were both produced way better than hers uh, yeah, yeah, and i yeah, think yeah. like clinton kane comes on and his like it just like it was like louder and it sounded better and it kind of was like i i think her music would I, i'm not trying to rip on her dad or anything but um i i do think like 
when she gets like a professional like producer and like puts out yeah. like an album, it's gonna sound even better. But yeah, like, I, I didn't Google her dad, but I I would guess her dad is an amateur, mm-hmm. or at least not a not a high level professional. No, no Phineas. Yeah, <laughs> this Phineas. is. No. Uh... I didn't have my. I was traveling this week, so I didn't have my music equipment. But I had this thing, which which acts as a keyboard. And I was trying to figure out one of those songs because I was like, I think those are like interesting chords. And, and they're actually pretty, but granted all I had was this fucking keyboard. Um, so it was a little bit hard for me, but I, I think she's pretty talented. Like, like the chord movements in her songs, I could do a better analysis on a different week or something. I won't, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's like, She's she's good. There, there's like quality music in there, even though it's a little bit giggly, giggly pop bubblegum stuff. Right. She yeah. she has a song called like I hate that I still feel bad for you, and it's catchy and it's fun and it like I again like if I was probably like a girl that age I would just like rock out to it or even like if I was like a lot younger I would just like rock out to that. But I still like enjoy all of it and i do think she would be great like i think her music will be great live because it's gonna have like that like punk guitar feel is gonna be like kind of loud kind of like that and uh you you guys follow me on the avril lavigne like i don't think i I don't think so honestly like i i think she's I, i i feel like avril lavigne is like pop and i think this girl is like pop punk if that okay. if that makes sense, but I know what you mean. I think this girl sounds a little more indie right yeah. now than it's indie pop or something like that. I get the I get the punk feel too, but not like I don't know. Like Avril did Skater Boy punk. Like this is the this is not Pussy Riot punk either. It's oh, I don't know indie punk. I don't know who you, I, I, I Vampire like that. Weekend kind of thing. Like I thought backseat lovers like she they, like I felt like a lot of that because like originally like I heard kind of like this you know it was kind of like lots of like boy songs and I was like you know I was just trying to think about like another like female artist and I was like originally thinking like Lucy Dacus because there was kind of like a little bit of like sadness but then I'd like as I listened to it more like that kind of went away and I just go back to kind of like indie punk type music if you if you want to be really this is a little favorable i I don't mean to this will this would piss some people off probably there's a little tiny bit and i heard it multiple times so i'm comfortable saying it a little tiny bit of kimia dawson in there i i don't know if i agree but moldy peaches oh oh like just a little I, i heard it a couple times Maybe I I don't know I Kimia Dawson is a lot cooler than this girl. <laughs> but, wow! But... Wow! You're talking about sixteen year old. Well, developing as an artist. She's <laughs> gonna cry. She's gonna listen to this and cry now because of you. No, she's great. Um, but um, I, yeah, I do. I do. I think it's great. I, I think it's. I think it's really for her audience. It's probably great. I did look really? at like her Spotify fans also like, and I looked at her like all music similar artists. Knew like none of them though, so yeah, like no. definitely not like music I'm in touch with in any way. But um, it, like I, I immediately think, like, went to. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I, I immediately went. I mean, like it's an obvious like connection. You go to like Taylor Swift, not 
not all Taylor Swift songs, but like if you like that sort of female singer songwriter, that um, sometimes the lyrics can be so cheesy. Um, you know, you you can uh, I, there's a Taylor Swift link, and I think uh, like do you guys? I think the name I think that's called Benet. I don't know, and then like MXT Moon, like those two kind of sound similar to this. But again, it's kind of this indie pop vibe to me. I, I get like, I honestly, they, I actually like agree with the Taylor Swift thing a lot. Like, I feel like if this was if like her stuff got released as like unreleased Taylor Swift in her like bedroom, like before all of her other music, you would believe it. Um, yeah, early, and, early Taylor Swift, you know, when it was country, right? This is not right. country. This is on the indie side but it could be i think it'd be similar to that but again it's like a complete like compliment to like the talent oh for there. sure there she's to write those songs when you're 16 and they're so catchy and like obviously her hit backyard boy that like it like blew up on tiktok right like that's mm. where she got started yeah. she has a face for tiktok she's adorable um she has tons of tiktok followers um backyard boy too i think it sort of kind of came out in the middle of the pandemic right and it's kind of like you know that outdoor that outdoor summer we wish we would all be together hanging out on in the yard or what have you um so i could see why people sort of glommed onto it yeah and maybe this is obvious but i looked it up because i wasn't sure just because modern music this isn't obvious. Like, I wasn't sure, like, what the format is that she's going to play live. It's it's like a rock band format. It's like, like she, it's going to be her with a guitar, really playing the guitar, and, and no, I maybe backing tracks, but no, like, significant, you know, it's like, Oh, it's yeah, that, that's a, a good question, because I was like, it's band. possible that she just comes on with, like, a DJ, you know, nah, like, sings nah, over it's, it, it's right? Not, but no, that's not. cool. But um, one thing I, I overheard in a coffee shop, part of the, the Nashville vibe here is I get to overhear interesting music industry shit in coffee shops. And I was in this coffee shop called Kettner Coffee that I don't usually go to. I did it like just to go somewhere different. And there were people there who were putting on a music festival and they were talking about the number of bands that use backing tracks. And it was, I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was basically every band, even bands that were like, like rock bands, like, like Nick, uh, Nickelback? Nickelback, I, I believe, said, is what you were going to say. I think I think they said Nickelback. Of course. But I, I can't remember exactly, but they were naming all these bands, and they were like, can you believe they, but they all use, they all use backing tracks, and all the backing tracks run on, run on Ableton. And it was, it was stressful for them, because they were, they have to make sure that, they have to switch these laptops out every show. But uh, you know, you know how it is. Like a laptop is a pretty personal device, so every <laughs> laptop they plug in is different, and, and it, it was stressful to them. Like shit, how are we gonna get Chad Kroger's personal laptop to play play the backing tracks properly? Yeah, uh, that's these... why um, I always say, like at, at at Coachella is the only place where they, you know, you bring in this feature person because. Even when you have like the same artists that overlap at a festival, very rarely do they ever come up and play at the same time. And it's because like their sounds not set up to be played together. So they either got to be comfortable without backing tracks or they don't do it. I, I really like the recent St. Vincent album. I like St. Vincent in general, but one of her more recent albums, I saw her at the Ryman, which is the old Grand Ole Opry here in Nashville. It's the coolest venue 
maybe in the fucking world. I don't know. It's incredible. It's like a church, basically. Um, and I saw her there, but it was all backing tracks. It's, it's her with a live guitar, and the guitar is really, you know, audible. But then the rest of it's all backing tracks, and she's doing these, like, sort of artsy scenes. And I looked into, like, how do they do this? And her keyboard player, or, like, music director or whatever, has a YouTube video where he shows how fucking complicated it is. And he has, like, he has a laptop with Ableton on it, and he has a foot controller and a hand, two hand controllers, and he's triggering all these tracks. It, it kind of looks like he's playing keyboard, but he's not. He's triggering background tracks the whole time. And when, and in that show, he's doing that same thing. He's just not on the stage. He's in the background. Hmm. And I, I, I think that's just more and more part of every rock act from what I can gather. Yeah, it makes me kind of sad in some ways that like this is happening to like rock acts. Like this hit us with there is this band we wrote like called The Head and the Heart. And they're a, a very like folk kind of like out like folk rock but like new folk rock kind of outfit like and um i guess like i heard like for their latest album they basically got people to write their songs for them or at least some of the songs on the album and like their hit songs were like written by like other people and then like i didn't know this and but i'm just like i'm hearing these songs about like love and like relationship and stuff from like a folk rock band that weren't written by them and it's kind of like but that's not what you're supposed to do i don't know it just makes me like i i don't know if like lose respect is the right word but it's like that's not what like rock music's about it's supposed to be like you expressing your own feelings and like emotions not you like hiring someone and then you performing it you know yeah, I agree. The, the inauthenticity is tough for me. There's a great mu- music YouTuber called Rick Beato. He like produced Shinedown and some other bands. Like I don't know. He's like he's only like a moderately successful producer or something. But he's re- he's kind of a he kind of has a boomer vibe. But he's he's really really knowledgeable about the music industry. And he talks about how like when he he like he'll go through the Spotify top. 20 in like a bunch of different genres and he makes a video every week or whatever so he gets all these different things but he'll he'll like he'll be he gets into like songwriters there's 13 songwriters on the song (laughs) and it's like a rock band right it's like who are these 13 people Mm -hmm. and then he'll try to look them up sometimes because he knows he knows all these people too so he'll be like well i've heard of these two people but i don't know who these other dudes are and it's just like it does take away from it to me anyway because I'm picky around like the nuance. I, I don't know, like the a sparkling clean pop album that lacks all flaws. Like a flawless pop album does not really interest me. And if you listen to someone like Adele, she avoids that. Like like Adele's albums are amazing and there's fucking flaws everywhere. There's a good YouTube video from someone else who analyzes her vocal over some of the newer songs and she's like there's a lot of wrong notes. She's out of tune a lot. There's a lot of weird bends where she bends to something that doesn't make sense. And if this were Taylor Swift's producer, whatever that group is called that produced Taylor Swift, they would fix this shit. They wouldn't let it go out that way. But with Adele, they do. And you're it, talking and it comes about off. Like Max Martin, the fa- most famous producer in the world or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, like they wouldn't let it go out the door that way. But Adele's music comes off as more authentic because they do because she has that power and Adele there's all these good stories about Adele is is kind of a micromanager with her music like she will like 
scold people. There's a there's a good story from a guitar, a very famous session guitar player, where he was using a wah wah pedal, and she went and told him like, you need to un no wah wah, and he and he kept using it anyway, and she went and unplugged it off his pedal board. <laughs> <laughs> it was like no wah wah, uh, but I, I don't know. It's yeah. There there's a. Um, you, you know, it's you, like an authenticity involved. thing where it's like you're singing about like heartbreak and love and all this kind of stuff, but it's not yours, right? And it's almost like that's not authentic if you didn't go through it and, and things like that. And I, I try to like balance this because like I go back to like like the weekend, for instance amazing singer amazing performer and stuff like that but like he doesn't you know he doesn't write his own songs he doesn't do the production or or anything like that but like you would never hold that against someone like in a musical or like a classical artist or like anyone like in an orchestra you wouldn't be like well you didn't write that you didn't build that instrument or that like that would be ridiculous you didn't write that right you didn't write claire de lune right and so it's it's like it's like there's i think as long as you realize there's a difference between like performance and like i don't know like artistry right and like you appreciate them in different ways and but when whenever like the going back to like the head and the heart thing i felt like i always saw them as artists and in doing this not as like performers of someone like else's music and it's almost like betrayal like how could they do this to me you know well and sometimes too it's not so they might have conceptually the song Right. They might have here's a verse. Here's the chorus. Here's what we kind of want it to sound like. And then you bring in a songwriter and they tweak it. They add things. Right. So it could be that like the head and the heart is still has a heavy hand in the songs they're writing. It's just that, you know, they're bringing in someone else to help kind of finish that off. You know, finish those ideas off. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever watch um, the HBO documentary of the Avett brothers where they recorded their last album or whatever <laughs> it was probably max martin in there too um you know they, it wasn't max martin but they had like a major producer there recording uh, you know helping them finish the recording of this album but they had you know times earlier where they came in and just were like messing around together to figure out what these songs were right so i think it could go either way i don't think in the head and the hearts case i guess i haven't looked i don't think it's like they're singing someone else's songs. No, that that is what it is. They they talk about this. They basically like hired people to like write yeah. certain basically what well, would be their hits. And I, I think. Well, and I've seen a little bit of this here in Nashville because Carissa went to one of these that I didn't go to, but she went to basically the basement of some dude's house in a in a like a like a sort of lame area of Nashville, and she and. and She's a pretty talented songwriter, but she was literally overwhelmed. It, it was like they, what they do here. It's called a songwriter circle. They sit in a circle, and they all play their songs in a in a loop, just acoustic guitar and singing. And a lot of them know each other, so they know each other's songs. So they'll kind of like accompany each other, riff play solo. So yeah, they'll riff or play solos or whatever. But it's it's Carissa described it as like really overwhelming because all the songs are extremely good and the, the ta- they're but they're not like necessarily good performers like many of them are not great singers 
Carissa herself is not a great guitar player, but she was like, some of these guys are, are not good at the guitar. But like, it's, it's incredible. And I went with Angie to one of these too. And I was, I was also kind of overwhelmed by it because it's, it's just like you have these eight people in a circle who are all kind of brilliant, but they're making something that's sort of mundane. <laughs> they're, they're making something that's very pop accessible. And that's what they take out. They do these songwriter circles and they take these songs that come out of these things and they sell them. So they record a songwriter circle and they say, hey, here's 16 songs by however many songwriters were in the circle. And that's how they, they go to the publishing agent, I think. I don't know exactly how it works, but something like that. But what you end up with is homogenized in a way that where, where a 40-year-old man is writing a song for a 22-year-old artist, you're, you're going to lose something there. You're going to lose some authenticity, right? Especially, uh, it's kind of like hearing that Santa Claus doesn't exist, right? Where you're like, yeah, like, oh, yeah. these, <laughs> like, oh, I so identify with this artist. Oh, he's speaking to me, but no, it was some four year old dude. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of, it's kind of like, well, Nintendo is really good at execution, but it doesn't have the same magic as Santa Claus. Right. Right. Like, like Nintendo can make a better video game than Santa Claus can, but it sounds way cooler if it's like. Some elf with a fucking. Um, I, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to go with that. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't have the end of that. There is um, a podcast, and I think I started listening to it because Josie, you sent me a different podcast, but he happened to be on it. Um, it's called "And the Writer Is" with, I think his name's oh. Ross something. Um, where did Marco? He left. He's gone. He's straight up, just. Straight up doesn't want to hear about my story. It's fucking rude. Yeah, Ross Golan. Yeah, Ross Golan. Um, but he uh, interviews all these songwriters. In most cases, sometimes they are also artists, right? Sometimes they're like well-known artists. Sometimes they are truly like famous guys behind and women that are behind these big artists, like behind Katy Perry and behind Ross himself's behind Ariana Grande, like uh, one of her biggest songs, uh, Dangerous Woman, which she named the album, like Ross helped co-write that or whatever. Um, And so it is interesting to sort of highlight that songwriting craft, especially in cases where like they aren't the artists themselves, you know, for for various reasons. It's also he also does a lot of he's like the face for, you know, making for trying to legally figure out how to get songwriters paid what they deserve to be paid. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so he talks a lot about that. But it is really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I, I wish I knew more about this to say it in more detail. But my one of the guys in my comedy group, his wife is a pretty successful songwriter. She has songs in like. Grey's Anatomy and shit like that. Um, but the that part seems like a real drag to me because when he would describe it, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to fuck this up, James, but like, we'll have, well, James, we'll have you on one day and you can say this correctly. But, but like, you know, she would sell a song to some TV show and it would seem like it'd be a big deal, but it, the end result would be like a few thousand dollars or like a $10,000 or something. Like nothing that's anywhere near 
Yeah, they don't make they, they the way Ross says it is like they really don't make any money unless like you get that hit that's used again and again on commercials, on TV shows, on movies. If it's that kind of you know, I don't. You hear Lizzo everywhere now, right? Like, right. right. So, like every time that's playing on a TV show, movie, Lizzo's getting paid, right? And whoever else helped help to write that, right? Probably Max Martin. Um, <laughs> wasn't Max Martin? I uh, always wonder when, like, oh, the Ma- You know, you know, I was thinking of not Max Martin, The Matrix. You know, The Matrix. Similar vibe. Similar vibe. Um, the the movie The Matrix. Keanu Reeves. No, the, there there's a, a songwriter group. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the Matrix songwriters. It's uh, the Matrix team, they're called. Lauren, Christie, Graham Edwards, and Scott Spock. They, they do a bunch of them. The uh, other thing that's fascinating about songwriting is, like, this, like the, the one that stuck in my mind from And the Writer is, he had the guy who co-wrote Halo, which is by Beyonce with Ryan Tedder, I think is his co-writer. Um, very also in his own band, very famous. And there's like, there was like one word that Beyonce added, and he's like, and we should have thought of it. It was obvious. It sounded better. She was right. But then Beyonce got writing credit and gets the oh, same yeah, amount yeah, yeah. of money as <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. And I mean, Beyonce <laughs> is in herself an enigma and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, so yeah. we're not mad that Beyonce didn't write the song. It's just fascinating that well, the yeah. end, and, I, and I think, I mean, I haven't researched it, but I, I've watched a thing where she, she would go into her home studio because I think Lemonade is like a fucking masterpiece. So I've, I've like read a lot about that and watched a lot of YouTube videos about it. And she, she would... She did a lot of that herself, like where there was no engineer there even. It was just her in the studio making that. I don't know about the songwriting credit. Maybe she didn't write any of the songs. Well, Halo's from very actual... early or much earlier in her career yeah, with yeah, Illuminate yeah. too, right? So, You know, I, I just mentioned The Matrix. They they wrote Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> and we're back. Again, Santa Claus is dying. <laughs> yeah, full loop. Um, I always wonder, like, whenever, like, a band we're going to hit later on, like Jungle, they wrote this song called Keep Moving on, like, their latest album. And I'm like, like, it's the ultimate, like, running commercial song or, or like, any kind of, like, it's the ultimate song. And then it definitely, like, I, I saw it, like, appearing in, like, commercials. And I wonder, like, how much of that is, like, intentional to, like, some artists of, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be, like, a song that, like, a bunch of people are just going to, like, it's so catchy and relevant. It's just going to get, like, picked up. Yeah. That song's great. Um... Back to Claire Rosencrantz. I do have something that sticks out in my mind about her and her song. So if you guys, sometimes she will do like a noise, like like she's like it. She makes it almost a, a, an instrument sound with her voice instead of just having the instrument there. Um, if you go to, it wasn't in her top five. It's called uh, a song called "Don't Miss Me." It's a cute. It's a cute little lyrics too. Uh, but when you get to the chorus, she does like a trumpet sound, maybe like an electric guitar sound. You're like, you, you know who who is the best at that ever? Cleveland lore. If there's any Clevelanders listening, uh, Zayla X E L A. His name is Alex. Alex backwards Zayla. He is so good at that that it, it it's fucking amazing. 
Uh, let me try to play this one. What was the na- name of the one you just said? It's called Don't Miss Me, I believe. she like the way she uh says some of those words it's actually very lizzo-ish like she the way she like hits some yeah. of those words hard that's like very inspired by lizzo so which i this is this might take a minute to get what i'm going at here to me that's very jazzy hmm. Beca- because it's a very specific type of articulation that is complicated in a certain way and, and it's like I, I like that. I like that song a lot, even though the lyrics are very unrelatable to me. But <laughs> lyrics are um, cute. You obviously haven't dealt with boys. <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's good. Like her talent is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. And the beginning part, including that part of her talking in the beginning, is something only a father would do <laughs> yeah. or, or the, the like main. 90% of rappers yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right well, yeah. No, Billie Eilish turn, does turn, it it's a turn, d- turn my headphones up <laughs> <laughs> Billie Eilish does it right it's like an, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know she's like took my retainer out and this is the start of the album or whatever she says right like it's a little bit Billie Eilish influenced I think there oh so mm. Sublime has that in that one song right where they're like oh no 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 the song's over I mean, I think it used to happen because you you literally couldn't fix it. Like, it, like it was on that take of the tape, and there was no way to cut it out. Or <laughs> you know, like if you, if you cut it out, you would also cut out the drums or something. Mm-hmm. You know, because you used to you used to mix things down, and I think you could actually. But now, now I think it's like a stylistic thing. Uh-huh. But if there's there's stuff like that in the Beatles where it's like people will freight like talk about it as though it's some high artistry but it's it's really just then when you hear the producer of the beatles talk about it he's like there was just no it was it was on the same track as the trumpet and i needed the trumpet part so that's in there (laughs) (laughs) um like another interesting thing i've noticed and, and it's not just like her i've seen this happening with other artists where it seemed like her hit song was backyard boy and then after that song had been released, it got re-released with Jeremy Zucker on like mm. doing like backup lyrics. And from what I can tell, like Jeremy Zucker is actually like more popular than her, at least through like <laughs> Spotify listens. And I've been seeing this a lot where like I, I think it's almost like uh, artists are like kind of like attaching themselves to like up and coming artists. And it's kind of like kind of like doubling mm. the 
I don't know, like TikTok views or, or, or whatever you want to say. But it's I, I've noticed that's like a trend in kind of this like and I don't know if she's actually like self like produced or like self like made. But I, I, Sounds see, like it. I, I see this a lot in like artists like this is like um, who who's the drummer from Blink 182? Travis, Travis Barker. Barker. Travis Barker is like on every like young new rap artist's song, right? And he's kind of But I think that's because I think that's like a social thing. I think it's because Travis Barker is driving around LA doing cocaine and seeing who will let him come into <laughs> he's their own studio. He's in and love play the drums. with the Kardashian. <laughs> I, which one? Courtney. They're engaged. Would you know? So I, I had a crush on the the curvy Kardashian who's not curvy. Chloe, anymore. no, Courtney's Chloe. the the oldest one that's like the shortest. No, nah, no, nah, um, I like Chloe. But the, but the difference is he's actually with her, and you're not. It, we'll cover. You don't know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> we'll cover Travis Barker because he did all the drums to Kenny Hoopla's album. Yeah. Right. He but will if not you be at Kenny Hoopla's set, but maybe uh, he will be. <laughs> if you look at like Travis Barker is a, um, I forgot the one. He's he's on like a lot of these like younger rappers mm -hmm. like albums and stuff like that. And I think he's really just like attaching his name to them to like kind of uh, pump them up. I, I think I, I would guess the way that works is that Travis Barker is a is brilliant. Like, he is a really, really... And, and the stuff he plays in Link-182 is a little bit cheesy. It's still elaborate and, and effective and beautiful. But I think, like, part of why that works, because if you have, like, an, an 808 set up that's playing a drum beat, and then you just play that for Travis Parker, and you're like, replay this, he's going to make it so much more subtle and so much better. Like, like he, he that's a, he's the perfect example of how a drum machine cannot replace a human drummer, even on a hip hop track. Yeah, um, I have no proof, but I, I'm, I'm thinking something similar to Mark, where I just feel like he wants to, like raise, raise the, raise these artists up that are playing this music now. Now, granted, like this kind of music is becoming more popular now, but anytime you like. Travis Barker shows up on my, you might like on Spotify just because yeah, exactly. Travis Barker's on it, right? I don't know who the heck is singing over his drum beat, but I put it on my queue on Friday just to like give it a listen, right? Right, and I yeah, and like that happened with Kenny Hoopla. That happened. Um, um, I think it's Eon Dior. A lot of Eon like Dior, yeah. really popular like like rap artists. Also like uh, funny. There's a uh, great YouTube video where uh, it's Travis Barker versus Marshmallow in a drum battle. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Um, he, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to change no, the but, topic, sort of. I also was going to. You do uh, it, um, I was going to go back to Jeremy Zucker just because you reminded me, Mark. So I don't understand how Jeremy Zucker and all these artists are similar, but if they are... I do think if you like, so we'll talk, Alexander23 is also on this lineup. I think we won't talk about him until like literally our last episode or something like that. But he's connected to Jeremy Zucker, AOK, Quinn92, and Chelsea Cutler. If you like Chelsea Cutler, I think you would also like Claire Rosencrantz. So I see like how that connects to like, 
I don't, they all know each other. Ty Verdes, too, who we will talk about in a different episode. Like, they're all, they all play music together. They always tour together. I don't know. They're like a loosely held collective. They're like friends, maybe. <laughs> they're just friends that also yeah. get to play together. But I could see um, her music being connected to that if anyone likes that music out there. Hmm. So it makes sense that Jeremy Zucker would be on a song because it, it is a, a similar vibe. Yeah, but the part that was interesting to me was he was like post humorously added, right? Like after that song, like got big, then like they redid it. And I've been seeing that with like some other artists. And I just think post it's like humorously after he died. <laughs> no, after the song was released, after the song creation process died. Okay. Is that a misunderstanding on my part that post-humorous means after you die? I don't know for sure, but it's better than zeitgeist. I think zeitgeist. it means after you die. I thought Mark was joking. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> still better than saying zeitgeist, so. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I actually feel like I was in a meeting today, and my... Oh, no, she was calling it post-mortem. But is that after death, too? But she was calling it, like, kind of like a recap meeting. like. But maybe post-mortem is, like, more meeting. acceptable to say than, like, public. I, but I remember thinking, I feel like it's weird to say that just about, like, a meeting where we're, like, you know, start, stop, continuing. Oh, I think in software, <laughs> there's lots of, like, post-mortems, like, what went wrong with this project and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, uh, yeah post-mortem, that's what you do after you fuck up. Um, yeah. Uh, who's the, who's that um, rap artist that just died? They, they, like, all, but, like, they're still releasing, like, so much of his music. Juice World? Yeah, Juice World. And uh, I guess that would be like a good posthumous example. But like, yeah. it's funny when like so many albums are like, like people are like doing songs, you know, with him now still. And they're like yeah. releasing all this music. There's a lot of Tupac stuff like that. Warren mm -hmm. Zevon had a lot of posts. Yeah. Uh, Stevie, uh, not Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder's still alive. Um, what is that other guy? There's another guy who reminds me of Stevie Wonder. Shit, never mind. Whatever you say after that is going to be racist. <laughs> no, it's not racist. He actually is Donny Hathaway. Oh. <laughs> Donny Hathaway had a lot of post-humorous albums. Post-humous, I'm pretty sure. Not humorous, guys. Like, after you're funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After This podcast is post-humorous. After the death of all comedy <laughs> comes this podcast. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, but, yeah, going back to um, Claire Rosencrantz, I, I'm almost saying she's like a must-see, and I feel like she's going to be early in the day. So like I, I think you're stretching it. Let, let me push on that. I, I'm kind of with you, but let me for the for the purpose of conversation, let me push back there. Why is she a must see? Because she first off, I like the whole like punk rock kind of like vibe. I like I, I don't know. I have like a kind of thing about like supporting like younger, like newer artists. And I feel like her spot is going to be like early. And I think it's going to be like a fun live show that people that like, you know, sometimes like part of the fun of a show is like watching the kids get into it. I think the kids are really going to get into like her playing. And so like I think like all those where I, where I guess like if she was like, you know, midday against like a band, you know, that I was like really into, I, I would say no. But like I think where she'll be in the day is like must see. OK, I think the I think there's. 
a little bit of a hard truth around. Um, Hi, Pepper. Pepper's some, like, let me dog, out. I got a piss. Some dog problems. <laughs> yes, I think I got to take her out. Not right now, though. Um, that was pretty disruptive, actually. Hard, um, hard truth, Josie. Oh, I think the hard truth is that, like, you could have a Christina Aguilera who's killing it at nine years old on Star Search or whatever. But I think the hard fact is that a 16-year-old playing live in front of thousands of people is probably going to not be that good. But I pref- being, being a really expressive musical performer that moves people, that moves people, is very difficult. And only a tiny, tiny fraction of people at that age could do that. And I'm not sure she is that. My, my guess is that her live performance is going to be disappointing. Wow, she is crying right now as she listens to this. You know that, right? I, I feel like I framed it well, though. Like, <laughs> like she's, she, she's still probably a genius. Like, she's, she's way more talented than any of us. But, like, it's still probably not going to be that. I uh, like I said. I think she'll be on like that stage next to the main stage, like really early when there probably won't be anyone else. And I, I think she's definitely worth checking out. Next to the main stage, you know, the, the stage that goes stage. opposite the main stage. Is it the Huntridge? Is that what you said? Yeah, the little Huntridge. Oh, stage. Yeah. So she'll probably be on the Huntridge early in one of the days, and I think she'll be like a good listen. Yeah, I don't know. Who That's did you guys yeah. go see that was literally Poor terrible? Poor Stacy. <laughs> that that was informative about the state of modern music. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Poor Stacy's music does not translate great live because I really enjoyed no. listening to his like his albums, but it did not work as well live. Did, wait, did we already do this on the podcast, or we do this at some other time? The the whole thing where like he's not even trying to rap every lyric. There's a background track playing. And he's, he's doing what the other... In the Beastie Boys, one dude is rapping and two dudes are doing, like, accents. You know, it's like... We can talk about this when we do Migos. Me. Yeah, it, but me, I, I think Migos does it. I think that's a cool artistic vision. But I, I think, like, poor Stacy, he was just, like... It was almost just lazy. Yeah, and this is, like, a weird thing with, like, certain rap artists will just do this where they'll kind of, like, accent their tracks being played in the background yeah. and kind of be, like, hype men to the crowd. Well, I think yeah, and, that. like, there are certain, like, but there, there, that is, like, a thing in rap. But, like, the weird thing about Poor Stacy was just that, like, his music was very, it's the same thing, it was very punky. It was very, like, guitar-heavy in some parts. In some parts, it's very, like, screamo-y or, like, rap-y and stuff like that. But you didn't get any of that, unfortunately, in his live show. And that was the stuff that was, like, most amazing about what he did. It was, like, the stuff you wanted to, like, mosh to and, like, jump up and down for. And, like, you didn't, that did not come across at all in his live show. It sounded his live show was very much more like a lo-fi hip hop kind of vibe. I, I don't know. I agree that all that stuff was lacking in a certain, at least the intensity of that. Yeah, like I watched some videos of poor Stacy in like a very small like club scene, and it, it was much more I think what we were like looking for. And like part of that was just like every member of the crowd was like so into it, and I think like you get that like with a lot of like rap albums where it's like if, if it's not like someone at like the top if you're not like super into it you just won't enjoy it 
But if you are like yeah. a gigantic fan, you will be. Yeah, I was gonna say I even watched Megan the Stallion's Coachella. Like I just watched part of it, and it was sort of like, you know, she had the backtrack going. She was saying, she was saying most of the words for the most part, but she doesn't sound like she does. You know, like it's, it sounds a little more natural. I, I, mean, I don't know, right? It just doesn't sound as cool. And it's like, well, I mean, Megan the Stallion's a whole vibe so she's cool yeah. but like as a live well, performance it's just sort of okay i don't remember if it's her tiny desk or her what's that radio station in seattle k k n k m f e m you're just saying letters you're saying letters do you not know KMFDM? they're like a in, the, the industrial rock band they're actually coming to cleveland's at the agora i'm debating going but uh no but that's not what i'm on there's some like uh there's something that's popular in Seattle. It begins with a K. I, and they, it's kind of like, it's similar to Tiny Desk. I sent you the jungle set from there. Like, they always have, like, right. amazing live sets. Yeah. But Megan, Megan Stallion is, is killer on there. K-E-X-P. K-E-X-P. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Um, but live hip-hop is just tricky. I, I'm a huge hip-hop fan. But I'm often disappointed. Because yeah. it's just really hard to do well. And I, I think like some of the stuff, I saw Snoop with a live band and that, that was really good. I, I think a live band helps a lot because yeah. because something happens in the, when you layer a vocal over a pre-recorded track, you lose something. And I, I don't know exactly what, but like it, it just doesn't, it, and rock bands do it too, do it now too. And But I really think it weakens the performance. Not Not in like a, pretentious or like intellectual way like like i think i i feel it like it just doesn't feel as good mm -hmm. yeah that takes me back to just like how much more amazing kendrick lamar is because of how good he is live and yep. he just like is so tier one like like goat tier I of rappers I don't even want to try to remember how much we paid to see kendrick lamar we were in the fourth or fifth row oh, for kendrick man. lamar it, it was very expensive, but it I, it was worth it. I was also in the fourth or fifth row for Jay Z and Beyonce, which was also cool, but I kind of regretted paying all that money for it. But Kendrick Lamar, I did not. Kendrick Lamar, that was a fucking experience. Like you just want to feel Incredible. a spit hitting your face, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like if if I could if I could have paid another thousand dollars and like, <laughs> like like grabbed his leg or something, I probably would have. Yeah. Kicked you. Yeah. But he he he. But for when we saw him, I. I'm pretty sure he was live vocals on everything except for one tune where he was suspended horizontally. Yeah. Like like he was like floating in the air horizontally. I have no idea how they did it. Probably some, it's probably mundane, like some rope or something, but I couldn't see the rope. Uh, <laughs> and David Copperfield magic. Yeah, it was like that kind of shit. But I, I think he, I think that one was lip synced, but I think all the other ones were live vocals. Uh, random shout out to KEXP, but Alt J is like the latest artist that was just on there. So that's going to be They're good. They're so good. But that one, um, the thing that he's so out of tune, his guitar is so out of tune for the first like three songs in that, that to me it's unlistenable. And then you can see where he fixes it. He keeps singing, but he stops playing and just the keyboard player is playing and he fixes it. 
but it's a long time. I mean, you're talking like 10 minutes where his guitar is so out of tune that to me it's unlistenable. Uh, I, I probably won't about... even notice, but uh, we'll see. I, I bet you will. If oh, we're okay. talking about the same thing, now that I say it, I bet you will notice. Okay. Um, I always think about when we were at Pilgrimage, and I think we were seeing like Jack White's ex-wife or something. Oh, and, she's amazing. And, I love her. And uh, she had her guitar just sitting out in the blazing sun. You're like, that's going to be out of tune when she picks that up. Oh, yeah. And then, and then the, the, <laughs> and the whole show, whole the whole the she whole show, not, she was like, ah, oh, god damn it. She could not yeah, get I did, it in I tune. Call. I was like, Josie was fucking right. <laughs> yeah, I nailed, I nailed that one, yeah. Yeah, she had, she had this vintage 50s Gibson, one of those obscure Gibsons that's like weird, like a Gibson... ES, but not not a not, not a three thirty five or a one seventy five, like some Gibson ES number number number, that looked beautiful, but it's literally sitting directly in the sun for half an hour. Like there's no there's no fucking way. I love, made up. I love when you notice that kind of stuff at like a show or it's happening. Um, Alyssa and I were at a Sigur Ross concert in uh, Pittsburgh one time, and the entire like. He, you could see the artist was slowly, like the lead singer, was slowly getting more and more annoyed. And he's like, you know, like trying to give like a signal to like the sound guys. And then at one point, like he's mouthing off of it. It's like, turn down the fucking bass. And he was so <laughs> pissed about this. And it just like, it kind of like, it became like entrancing. Where I'm like paying more attention to that than the show. But and then like at one point he just went into the mic. It's like, you need to turn the bass down. <laughs> I feel like you're mixing my story in, in a story that actually happened. No, I know you're, that's very similar you're mixing to the my fan. Eddie better story yeah, but no <laughs> you just didn't i think you were just drunk and you just didn't notice but like the entire time he's, that was a pilgrimage the entire time at the show he was so annoyed that like the bass was coming out of the, like the monitor too loud you know i saw who did a lot of that was what's that band with like 20 people in it that's kind of psychedelic Arcade Fire? no no older than that but similar um group oh, love uh edward in the Nope, love them too. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic yeah. Zeros. No, not them. Um, but, we're, but we're close. We're close. Da the Danny Warhols contains members of the band I'm thinking of. Fucking hell. I'm going to Google it. I feel like um, I'm not going to know edits. I only go to nah, Edward I Sharp. Will, you will. I can't get deeper um, than that. But I, don't, I don't like that band that much, but they were at the Grog Shop, and the whole concert really was him yelling at the sound guy. Yeah, and if you're at the grog shop, it's like no you one cares. can't imagine it sounds good there for anybody. I, 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 true, I've yeah. seen that with like smaller bands too, where they're constantly like pointing up or like pointing down and like trying to like adjust it. And it was like, nobody cares like at this point. It's the, the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Oh, uh, I know the name. I don't know that band though. I don't like it that much, but it, it was it was funny to just watch them like yelling at the sound guy. No. But they have like eight guitar players. So it's like, what is he, what know, you gonna do? You mix that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Though. Like I just as my in my I'm I'm because I'm just an amateur. I'm usually drunk when I'm on stage anyway, so I'm not paying that much attention. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of hopeless. I don't really get when I watch professionals doing that, and they're like, I can tell they're trying to say like more keyboards or whatever, but like. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my level isn't there, but I don't fucking understand that. Like, as long as I can hear the kick drum and, like, the vocalist, like, that's all I really need. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's probably some of that, like, perfectionism type stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. If you cared more than I cared, 
you probably would want to like I can't hear the key or if you're a singer like because singers are doing things that are kind of subtle you know like we think guitar players think of notes as like this grid but singers don't really singers are tuning because of equal temperament and all these very technical things about there really is no clear definition of what is a G and singers react to that singers are, are adjusting their pitch in a subtle way mm -hmm. that instrumentalists at least in, people who play instruments that I play they're not really because it's, it's just just pressing a button mm -hmm. so I, I don't know I don't, I don't need to hear every instrument clearly to clearly articulate what pitch I'm trying to play because it's you know, I'm just pressing a button on the fretboard. All right. We done? All right. Let's, yeah, so. let's talk about uh, next week. All right. Uh, All right. And so next week we will be discussing Lord, another big one, uh, Sonny, Fondera, and Phantoms will be the three artists that we are looking at. Outro.